Okay, today we begin another epistle from the Apostle Paul. And um, this one to the Galatians. This perhaps, most likely, is the earliest of all of Paul's letters. Um, Furthermore, just so we situate ourselves as we think about this letter, there was not a town or a city called Galatia (laughs) like there was Corinth or Rome. We've already talked about Romans in 1st and 2nd Corinthians. There were cities called Rome and Corinth. But there wasn't a city or a town called Galatia. But rather, Galatia was the name of an entire region, almost like a county or a, or a state, you know, a region in which were, in which were cities, you know. Um, and so it's likely, it's almost like a county, you know. So it's likely that Paul wrote this letter uh, and intended it to be circulated among the several different churches in the region of Galatia. Um, so it wasn't designed for one particular church, but a, a region full of churches. It's a, it's a letter that goes deep in exploring and explaining the the salvation, uh, the story of salvation in Jesus Christ. Uh, it's it's somewhat of a stern letter. I mean, if you, uh, surely you've read it before, but if not, it, you just know it's it's kind of a stern letter. In most letters that Paul wrote, he uh, if you if you just read through Paul's letters, they follow a customary pattern. Um, and the pattern goes usually goes something like this. First, he would introduce himself. For example, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, or something like that. Um, he does that here, verses 1 and first part 2. Um, Paul, an apostle, not from men, through men, but through Jesus Christ and the God the Father, you know, and all the brothers who are with me. So he introduces himself. Uh, next, after he introduces himself, typically he would identify the recipients of the letter, so he does that here, to the churches of Galatia. That's verse, second part of verse 2. <clears throat> and then finally, no, 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 not finally, I'm not there yet. So third, he would offer a blessing uh, to them, and he does that here. He says in, in verses 3 to 5, um, grace and peace to you, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so there's a blessing. And then finally, before he would get to the meat of the letter, in typical fashion, Paul would often include something like a prayer of thanksgiving to God for them. <clears throat> so um, you have Paul introduces himself. He would say who the letter is to. He would offer a blessing to them, a greeting of grace and peace, and then finally a, a, a prayer of thanksgiving for, to God for them. So he does that in Romans chapter 1, verses 8 and following. He did that to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9. He does that for the Ephesians in, first, in Ephesians uh, 1, 15 to 23. He does that. He prays that Thanksgiving prayer for the Philippians in Philippians 1, 3 through 11. For the Colossians in Colossians 1, 3 through 14. And for the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 3, uh, 1, 3 through 10. And 2 Thessalonians 1, 3 to 4. I mean, so you think about that. He follows this same pattern and offers the prayer of thanksgiving to the Romans, the Corinthians, the Ephesians, the Thessalonians, the Philippians, Colossians. One notable break in this pattern, though, is this letter to the Galatians. In the normal spot where we might expect Paul to say, I thank my God for you, he instead says in verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him and are turning to a different gospel. Needless to say, this is a serious letter that gets right to the point. It's a wonderfully rich book to study, for sure. 
and uh, we'll only be able to hit the high spots. Um, and I look forward to digging into it with you, uh, but we need to recognize the serious nature of it. So let's think about a, a couple of things that we see here and uh, think first about deliverance from this present evil age. In verse 4, Paul reminded them that Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. That's an awesome summary of the rewards Jesus earned for us by his life, death, and resurrection. We could say that Jesus delivered us in three different ways. First, when Paul says Jesus gave himself for our sins, we remember that Jesus has delivered us from the penalty of sin. He delivered himself over to bear the punishment for sin in our place that would justly fall on us. Second, when Paul says Jesus delivers us from the present evil age, uh, from one perspective, that means he delivers us now, here and now, from the power of sin. We live in an evil age, but Paul reminds us that Jesus has delivered us from the power uh, uh, and the realities of the, uh, that the, the evil age has over us because we now have the Holy Spirit within us. And finally, though, when Paul says that Jesus delivers us from the, this present evil age, it also carries with it the truth that the day is coming when we will be delivered from the very presence of sin uh, at, the, at the moment while we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us not to sin. The reality is that the presence of sin is still all around us and even within us. The, the day is coming when the very presence of sin will be banished and nothing unclean will ever enter it, um, our, our dwelling within the presence of God. That's Re Revelation twenty-one twenty-seven. Jesus delivers us from the, the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and one day the presence of sin. That's a wonderfully captured in a very succinct way uh, in verse 4 alone. But let's think about uh, that admonition to them early in the letter, uh, you know, where, where we said normally there would be a, a wonderfully sweet prayer of uh, thanksgiving for them, and, and where instead of that he tells them how astonished he is that they're turning to a different gospel, uh, or as he puts it uh, in, in verse 8, a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you. Um, he twice pronounces anyone preaching or teaching a different gospel. He pronounces them twice in verses 8 and 9 as accursed. The Greek word there translated accursed is anathema, which means consigned to hell. <laughs> Not that, that uh, Paul is the ultimate judge of all, but is merely stating the obvious. There is only one gospel that leads to salvation, and any other message is eternally damning. Furthermore, to teach others, that eternally damning message is to add further condemnation to the teacher. Paul will tell the Ephesians um, when we get to Ephesians 2 that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Jesus saves and the message of that gospel is found in the pages of scripture. Any distortion of those truths or any message from another source claiming to save is anathema for the preacher and for the hearer who believes it. But finally, let's say a word about people pleasers from this chapter paul knows that what he's said to them thus far in the letter has been hard to hear and he's barely gotten out of the gates so he makes it clear that his ultimate aim is to please god above all else and not man he says that in verse 10 if his aim were, were to be a people pleaser he would shy away from saying anything that might remotely be construed as confrontational uh, or serious in fact paul says it's impossible to be a faithful servant of christ and be a people pleaser at the same time. It says that in verse 10. Um, being a servant of Christ requires doing difficult things from time to time. And it takes courage to do them. 
But if our aim is to please the Lord in all things, and not ultimately to be people pleasers, the smile of God will be on our lives, and that is more, than, more satisfying than any approval man can give. And those are just a few thoughts from Galatians chapter 1.